Yeah, I mean, players also talk about how the crowd really helped them through things and then win the World Series on the road for like five years in a row or something. Right. So. You know, the idea of coming to Canada and how much it matters. And he's like, it didn't. <laughs> Just very blunt. So you didn't listen to it, but do you have a question you wish had been asked? Oh, yeah. I wish they asked George Springer how he felt about uh, milk in a bag. And welcome to episode number 191 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we have something in common with every retired baseball player. This year, we did not get elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I am with my good friend, Joshua Housem, who missed his election by just this much and you probably don't want to see how far apart my fingers are there <laughs> how's it going well, i don't think your arms are long enough for <laughs> accurate representation uh you made the hall of fame in my books just maybe not the cooperstown hall of fame uh okay i was gonna actually start with a gamestop joke but i think in like three weeks nobody's gonna remember what that's all about so uh just if you are listening to this in the far future be thankful that my joke is probably still relevant okay <laughs> um, we have we have a fairly short agenda for you tonight, but we like we say in the off season, if something happens, we're we're going to come, we're going to tell you about it. So uh, the Jays signed Marcus Semyon. We're going to talk about that. The Jays had a media availability uh, related to uh, signings and and uh, the you know upcoming season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're going to talk about some uh, wonderful quotes there from the friendly giant. Uh, Mark Shapiro, which we'll tell you why I'm calling him that. And then uh, uh, spring training maybe will be delayed in Arizona, which is uh, we're still talking about COVID-19 here in 2021. Uh, we have your questions, of which there are a few that I have seen. And uh, yeah, assorted uh, sundry items. So we shall begin with the big news. Marcus Semyon, infielder from the Oakland Athletics, as I understand it, is now a Toronto Blue Jay. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a move that a few people, myself included, were hoping would happen. I, I mean, for me, it was Didi Gregorius first because he bats left, but Semyon right there with him. Get a a guy who plays shortstop to play. Well, I wanted third base, but it sounds like they're going to put him at second. So that if Bo gets hurt again, you actually have someone who can go play shortstop. And so you don't have to go get Jonathan VR. <laughs> Yeah, now to be clear, Marcus Semyon is not defensive wizard at shortstop Marcus Semyon. That, that, the reason you're bringing him on board to play second is because his, his bat plays, uh, if, if he's anything like 2019, um, we're, we're, and 2020 was a weird year. I don't know if, if anybody really wants to be judged in their 2020 in the bigs. Um, if he's anything like his 2019, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with in the infield. Yeah, I mean, he was third in the MVP voting that year. And... I'm going to get to those to the offensive numbers a bit, but just to go back to what you said about the defense, one of the things that's interesting about Semyon is that he was bad. He was considered kind of a butcher, and then all of a sudden he was putting up by you ultimate zone rating and defensive runs saved, like some of the best defensive numbers in the league at shortstop in 2018 and 19. But outs above average didn't like him very much, and there's some question about well, is he actually any good or not? And how much of it was having Chapman right next to him at third base, scooping up balls in the holes? Um, but basically, he's probably going to be a good defensive second baseman. And if he hits, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, he, 
he had, uh, from what I've read, two really bad weeks to start the 2020 season, and then ended up with an OPS of 763, which is not, you know, over the moon, um, but is also not, you know, the sub 500 OPS that the Blue Jays have seen from guys they've tried to plug into the infield over the past few years. So I think he's a very uh, smart bet. It was funny you, you said people were you know hoping for or speculating on it. Normally when I go and I you know you type in someone's name with rumors, um, you get some you know a whole bunch of weird outlandish trades that people are hoping for and stuff. I found two articles that basically said why aren't we talking about Marcus Semyon? And one was from November twentieth, and one was from January fifteenth. So kudos to those two bloggers who were like, okay, I'm bored and. I think I should write about a thing that's actually going to ha- possibly happen. And I think we talked about this on last week's podcast, so I'm going to give us some props too. <laughs> All right. But, um, I don't know what number you just threw out there for Semyon, but uh, he didn't. He finished the season at 679 OPS. If you, if you, if you, yeah, that's if you take out his first two weeks. I think he ends up much better. Yeah, and so um, one of the things that people are doing with Semyon, though, also is that. They're, inc- they're not including the postseason. And when your sample size, including the postseason, is only 60 games, I think you have to include every data point that you have. Sure. And even with those first two weeks, his weighted runs created plus was 106 if you throw the postseason in. So he was an above average hitter even with those terrible first two weeks. And if you include the postseason, I don't have the weighted runs created plus with that. What do I do? It's 133. Fantastic. Whole, if you get rid of those first two weeks. So like right exactly what he was doing in 2019 and the second half of 2018. So it seems like there was actually a real change made to Semyon's offensive profile over the last couple of years to turn himself into a good hitter as opposed to a below average hitter who could play the middle infield. Now, the one that I thought was uh, the reaction that I'm, I'm sure, you know, a lot of players get this reaction, uh, but the one that came up most with whoever, I think Jeff Passan broke the story and confirmed, you know, the, the one year, $18 million was half the people were like overpay, um, which cracked me up for two reasons. One, why do you care what, who's, what the Blue Jays are spending? <laughs> like, it's not your money. Um, sorry. Your ticket price is not connected to that. Uh, number two. When, a one-year deal is is not an overpay unless it's like thirty million dollars for for someone over yeah. thirty-five. <laughs> it's one year. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's one year for eighteen million dollars, and if if it doesn't work out, you get eighteen million dollars to spend on someone else next year. Like, it, it's it, there's no risk to this deal for the Blue Jays. No, and and again, he's a, he's he's been proven as a full time player. You don't want a full time major leaguer making eighteen million dollars. One who just a, two years ago was third in MVP voting. Overpay. <laughs> what are yeah. you on, man? Is that just is there a button on your keyboard that just automatically responds that to a tweet? I don't know. Uh, yeah, relax. That nothing bad is going to happen because the, this year. The, the Blue Jays are paying $18 million for Marcus Semien. It's not like they're up against the luxury tax threshold, and this is putting them over for the third year in a row or something and, and hamstringing the team forever and ever. So I think in general, uh, it's a like you said, it's you can't really lose here, um, and it, it gives you another option in the infield. And we have a question about some things in the infield, so I will save maybe that for um, for the questions. Yeah, um, but just a, a little bit more on on Sammy and before we move on quickly, but uh, one of the things you're talking about, Jeff Passan broke it. It was actually broken by Carlos Bayerga on Instagram. 
Ah, so, what a world like, we live in. <laughs> it's like, hang on, like the former Indians All Star second baseman. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, There's a lot there, of people with with cherishing that's coming out at these times, which is really funny. Yeah, is there a different Carlos Baerga? Is, is there yeah. someone in the media? No, <laughs> it, was, it was a verified account too. Oh man, blue check yeah, mark so, Carlos Baerga. Yeah, well, and, but just um, the other thing about Semi and that's you know, that might have some interesting value to the Blue Jays is he's supposed to be just like an all all around awesome guy to have as a teammate. And one of the things that he did specifically was work really hard on improving from a below average, well below average shortstop to at worst, depending on whatever metric you look at, at least a league average one. And the Jays have a shortstop who could probably use a little improvement in his game defensively i don't think bo is a bad shortstop but i think you know he has potential to be a good one which would give them a really nice up the middle infield and then you got springer in center field which could do a lot for the defense yeah i think um and, and i don't think bo bichette has has shown anything but an interest in in wanting to get better so um some guys take that better from coaches some guys take that better from players um you know as, as in a mentor role so i yeah, I think if he's if he's a good guy and and he meshes well, then there might be there might be a long term bump out of that, um, which would be cool. I mean, it's it's always nice to hear about a clubhouse that get a, gets along. I don't think it directly leads to winning games, you know, but I I don't think it leads to losing games. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, and I think there could be a case it might lead to some wins. I like look, it's like people talk about clubhouse chemistry stuff, and it's very hard to understand it. But players talk about how it is just easier to play when you get along with everybody else. And if you're happy and you're loose, you're going to play better. Yeah, I mean, players also talk about how the crowd really helped them through things, and then win the World Series on the road for like five years in a row or something. Right. So. I mean, there's a lot of myth making <laughs> with all of this, but like you said, it can't hurt. <laughs> it's not going to make you worse. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there was a media availability um, with, I said earlier, Jolly Green Giant, Mark Shapiro. So you sent me the picture and um, I suppose it's the Friendly Giant, Mark Shapiro that I'm thinking of. Do you remember the show, The Friendly Giant, or am I, am I uh, dating myself here? I do. Yeah. I'm not that much younger than you. So. <laughs> So um, the, yeah, this it was from George Springer's introductory press conference on Zoom. So they're all just cutting back and forth. And and your view for, of Mark Shapiro is basically you're looking up his nose because wherever he has placed <laughs> his laptop camera, that's the best he can figure out. Was was he needed to loom into frame constantly? Um, which always uh, it cracks me up because it, it tells you how much work goes on behind the scenes in a in a normal time with. Um, lighting and angles and uh, audio setups and, and everything else that we all kind of take for granted in television presentation. Uh, and then you get someone who's told, who has all day to decide how he looks on camera. And he's looking in the corner at a picture of himself and he's thinking, yeah, yeah, this angle of my nose hairs is, is fine. They'll, they'll get the idea. <laughs> it was really funny. It's like, clearly he just, whatever table he was sitting at, he just put the laptop on it and he stood up and started talking. It's like, Prop it up with like some books or a stand or something. It looked really funny. I mean, obviously this doesn't matter. It was no. a little entertainment for those of us who were watching it at the time, but oh, it was it was very silly. So give me a very uh, because I did not watch the availability. <clears throat> give me a a one or two sentence uh, quote that I will not understand the context of. If you have one, <laughs> you'll not understand the context of. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. 
Uh, like, too tough? Okay. Yeah. I don't, I, I, the ones without, without any context <laughs> understanding, I didn't even bother remembering those. <laughs> uh, what, what was the hot button topic? Was it George Springer? Well, I mean, yeah, it was his, it was the introductory press conference for George Springer. And then they did later media availability with his just, just Atkins. But, um, you know, they, obviously when you're talking to Springer and the, the press conference announcing Springer, there's going to be conversations that go to, you just spend all this money on this guy. What does that mean going forward? And with when uh, when asked that question, Shapiro specifically said, "It's like we wouldn't do this deal if we didn't have assurances that we would be able to keep the guys that we have now already down the line when that comes to it." And he I, I, he was even asked directly about the the luxury tax threshold, the CBT uh, threshold, but uh, and he just said, "It's like look, it's if we build the kind of consistent winner we think we're building right now." The revenues are going to be such that that's not going to matter. That's uh, that's a big statement to make. Yeah, and that's the first time they've really said anything like that. They've always said the you know, Rogers has like always been very good to us and they have resources. This time he was basically saying it's like if we keep winning, it's like we're going to be able to spend like right up with the big boys. Whose contract was renewed? I don't think we talked about that on the last podcast. One of Shapiro, Shapiro, yeah, five deal, five year deal. So. Uh, for the corporation that owns this team, now I mean they don't have to keep him for five years. How many executives have been terminated in the middle of a contract? But for them to choose a five-year term um, at this juncture in franchise history, and to allow them to make a six-year deal, um, I wouldn't say it's a sea change in the way that Rogers is handling the Blue Jays, but it definitely represents a commitment to to keeping them marketable. Like I think someone there has seen that. The winning team in Toronto makes a lot of money, and the mediocre team makes some money, and they would rather <laughs> make a lot of money. Yeah, and you know this actually matters to players, right? George Springer, when he's asked about like what drew him to Toronto, part of it was the ability for the people to express their vision for the club and like where they think this is going to go and what they're planning to do around him and with the players that are already there. And if a guy's, you know, on a one-year deal or two, it's like, it's like I, can I trust anything you say? Because you might not be here by the time that these promises are, you're making are going to matter. And so having him locked in for five years, and Atkins has also been locked in, uh, it makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you've, got, um, you've got a vision that they're, you know, that they're committed to and that, that uh, the ownership is committed to. Um, so I think that also probably bodes well going forward, not just for keeping the players they have, um, in terms of, you know, if, if Kevin Biggio continues to be a, a, a good performer, if, um, you know, if Vlad, Vlad Jr. breaks out, if, if Boba is, is consistent, but you might see them getting into a, a spot where they can lock in guys, you know, pre-arb and not be on the, on that sort of bubble at year six, like they were with say Marcus Stroman, um, trying to figure out you know, at the last minute kind of thing, what they want to do with the guy and, and kind of take that pressure off um, in terms of what, what's going to happen with the roster and what's going to happen with the payroll. A little yeah, more sure. is a little better. Yeah. And then they did, they did talk about, uh, you know, the rest of this off season too, obviously, because the Blue Jays still need a pitcher. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, like they do. I mean, they, they have a rotation that they could get by with, but well, why would you get Simeon and Springer and Yates and, Chatwood and not get a starter. It doesn't make any sense. And they, they're they not going to do that. 
Um, but they did say that the bulk of the heavy lifting is done and that they'll have, there's some flexibility to, to get other makes, make some moves, but it, anybody who's dreaming of, you know, them throwing $20 million at a starting pitcher, I think that kind of threw some water on that, some cold water. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's unreasonable though. Right. You, you, you can't sign everybody every off season um, and keep, it, it keeps sort of things in perspective and, and keep a plan going together um, because, you know, costs, costs to go up every season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to, to to see the Blue Jays get another pitcher, but yeah, it's going to be a number, another middle of the rotation guy. If it is a guy, if it, and I mean, or it's a trade and you're going to have to give up some assets for it. Yeah. And, and interesting on that topic, someone, I can't remember who it was. Uh, there were so many reporters asking questions, asked Ross Atkins, about trading and it's like is that something you're considering and he said basically that because he and Shapiro came up in player development they find it tougher to trade these prospects because you know, it's like <laughs> they, they they want these guys to come up through the Blue Jays system and thrive with the Blue Jays and just sort of like because of the culture they can control it all the way through um, but that they are open to doing trades you know because they do understand that they still need to get someone else to pitch and they said it could become a trade. It could be a free agent signing, but, but uh, they'll still, they are still looking at that. Well, yeah, sometimes the best player available isn't in your system. That's just a harsh reality of, of sport, right? You yeah. Know, no matter how bad you want him to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there are limitations in, in general with the way people perceive things and the way that they're going to want to do things. Um, and money. But uh, the other thing that was interesting is that, um, you know, they were they were talking about adding. And Atkins said, you know, it's like at this point, if we had to get two more big pieces, we're going to have to – well, I'll do the exact quote. We're at the point now where if we acquire two major pieces, it would require likely subtracting from our roster, not for financial reasons, but for opportunity reasons. And that's kind of a good place to be where you have – you're no longer like in a situation where we need to upgrade this, 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 and this. It's like, if we get two guys, it's like, we're going to have to start cutting guys. Right. Because there's only so many innings. So you, you have to look at where you believe you're going to have an incremental improvement. And this is, I think this is where teams like the Yankees are and the Dodgers are every year. And you, you know, you look at the Dodgers and you're like, why did they let that guy go? You know, in terms of a starting pitcher or whatever. And it's like, cause the five or six other guys they had, we're all better than him in their eyes. And, and you know, in a very, in some cases, a very obvious way. Whereas the Blue Jays are always like, can we get a major leaguer at every spot? You don't want to be there. That's not a championship team unless everything yeah. breaks right. Yeah, so it's nice that they're on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah, you should be saying, you should be seeing a good player go away every year because he's being replaced by a better player. That's where you want to be. Yeah, or just have all the best players, and then you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, but they all get older, right? That's a joke. I wasn't trying you to get seriously there. But but that's what the Dodgers do. Um, <laughs> they already have the best players, and then they just get betterest. The betterest players. That's my new phrase for the very, very rich Dodgers. Uh, yep. What else? Did they cover anything else in the, the availability? Uh, not not a lot. Um, you know, during It was funny. During actual Springer's conversation, he was asked – about you know the idea of coming to Canada and how much it matters, and he's like, it didn't. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> just very blunt. <laughs> like, not at all. Like he wasn't considering it. It's, I thought that was very funny. And so like with all the hand wringing, like Will Springer want to come to Canada. You know, he wants to be close to home. He's like, it's like, if I want to get home, it's a quick flight to Connecticut, which it is. It's an hour and a half flight. Like, <laughs> so they, just really. Yeah. If he's even in Canada very much this year, that's the other part is like. Yeah. Well, he's also for six years, but. Yeah, uh, I, absolutely. But it's just like in the short run, that might be a moot point. <laughs> yeah. But it was just really funny. I'm just like yeah. all these, all, all the, the, talking heads and the pundits it's like he's gonna he's not gonna no one wants to go to canada and he's like yeah i didn't care at all yeah, <laughs> it's like, sure, it didn't sure. matter. show me the money are you paying me in green bills sure i'm good thank you uh okay i believe that takes us to the part of the program we are moving to questions i i, I think we can barrel on through because this has been it's been a short introduction are you ready to barrel on through uh yeah you didn't want to do the arizona thing oh sorry I looked at that, and then I, I don't know why. Uh, Arizona spring training might not start on time. Now, I've, I found this, uh, I mean, obviously predictable in terms of the the COVID problem and Arizona still being in the throes of, of COVID infections. What I found interesting was Major League Baseball is like, hey, why don't you delay? The Cactus League officials are, we'd like to delay by a month. The, um, the mayors and... Indigenous leaders in the area who control the political climate are like we would would be supporting a delay, and the players' associate, pardon me, players' association is get out there and play. Why? Why would that be? Yeah, well, so there was an interesting thing that came out with this today that uh, MLB encouraged the Cactus League people to write that letter. Yeah, but they so didn't basically, have sort of like MLB wants it out there that the. The uh, the Cactus League doesn't want them to play because the owners want to delay so they can save some money. Like that's how that was framed, and I don't know if that's real. I don't know. I mean, I'm never going to put that off the table that the owners are trying to do whatever they can to save money. The players they just want to play 162 games. They don't care if it's pushed back a few weeks or whatever, as long as they get their full salaries in. But you know, like that's not how the league wants to do it. They want to delay and still finish at the same time. Right. But instead of tightening up spring training, because that would be, you know, for injury reasons, as we maybe saw last year, not the best idea that they're worried that it would cut into the season and, and cut into their, what do they make in spring training? Is it like just a per diem in spring training and your actual yeah, they pay don't get salary? Yeah. And your pay starts on, on day one of the season. So they're yeah. not saving much money. Unless they were planning on shortening the season and then prorating the pay again. Which is the idea, I think, that would be happening is that if you push spring training back, your season's 144 games instead of 162 or something of that nature. And we're back to DH in the NL again, aren't we? Or no, no. DH. No DH. Yeah. Yeah. Mer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so technically, the rule is there is no DH in the NL this year because that is the rules and the rules have not changed. But the Players Association and MLB are talking about it. They're talking about DH. They're talking about expanded postseason. It's almost February. <laughs> like, how do they not just, like, make a call on this? Like, this is the way it's going to be in November. I don't know. The, the, this year is, is the last of the CBU, right? 2021 is the last of the CBU? 
Correct. And the, CBA, yeah. but yes. CBA, sorry. Um, uh, that's a that's from my industry. Um, <laughs> I am just like, this is a disaster. It's going to be an absolute disaster come the end of the season. So I, I guess I really want the Jays to make a run at it now, lest the next, you know, two-thirds of a year is wiped out by a bunch of um, stupidity, for lack of a better word. Yeah. It, yeah. I just all this all the stuff they already don't agree on, and and we're you want them to agree on a potential salary cap or a revenue sharing? <laughs> yeah, a part of me hopes that the reason that this stuff hasn't been decided yet is because they don't want to take a take a negotiating position before the actual negotiations and like settle. They want to have all these things be part of the main negotiation, so that you know the give and take can apply to everything, not just like playoffs versus DH. Um. The other part of me just hopes that if they go two seasons without fans, that they're not going to be dumb enough to cancel a season and give people three years or two and a half years of not going to a ballpark because people might realize, you know what, I don't need to go to a ballpark to be happy. Yeah, yeah. Ha- habit might might uh, fade completely into oblivion. But, well, we will see. We will see where greed leads because it will be someone trying to get as much of the pie as possible. On that low note, I'm going to saunter over to the questions like so. Time to hear the rules. First, I ask a question, and then you ask a question. Then, that Could you repeat the question, please? I relocated that that uh, soundbite to a stadium, so there was a little echo. Yeah, <laughs> it was two people saying it at once. It's amazing. Um, first question was from Will at Will underscore, uh, uh, Brom. Would you rather the Jays sign a Walker Odorizzi type plus a pen arm or trade Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for a rotation upgrade? I mean, it's easily the former. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't want them to trade Lourdes, like. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're getting Luis Castillo or something, not that the Reds would want Goriel because they have 400 corner outfielders, but, you know, like if you're getting Herman Marquez or something like that, then yeah, sure, fine. That's better. That's so much better than you're going to get on the market, better than Walker and Arezzi, but I'd rather they just sign people and keep their good young players. I can't argue with you. I really can't. Plus, I love his hair. So who wants to trade? Who wants to trade away that mop? Uh, Alex Johnson at Alex John- Alex underscore Johnston eight asks, "What can the Jays do to address the lack of a left-hander in the lineup? Is it even that big of a deal?" Um, I think it's always a big deal that the Jays don't have enough left-handers in the lineup when they go to Yankee Stadium, and uh, and it frustrates the heck out of me. Uh, but ultimately, I think that's. I mean, if 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 left-handed bats are available and you can get them, and they're good players, you do it. But if if everybody's a righty, well that you make the most out of that. I think they did fine with a mostly right-handed lineup in 2015, didn't they? Yeah, the lefties in that lineup were Ben Revere and Ryan Goins. <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> they, they, they weren't forcing a lot of pitching changes, those two guys. No, and I guess Smoke when he played. But no, it was it, it, if you have good hitters, it overcomes platoon issues. Now, as to the first part, what they can do to address it, not a whole lot. I mean... I guess they could, whenever they, assuming Reese McGuire is the backup catcher, which is not even a guarantee, 
that you just make sure that whenever he's in there, it's against a right-handed pitcher. That's kind of, you know, and then obviously Rowdy would be deployed that way. And Biggio is going to play every day. So it's not much. Um, Boba Shet, but that's Boba S H E T T at VC 3096. How do you think the Blue Jays approach to the everyday third base situation with the currently constructed roster? If they plan to play Semyon at second base, you must have a feeling about the Blue Jays third base situation. Yeah. So this is, as you alluded to in the first bit there, why we didn't talk about it with the Semyon because we had this question. Yes. Um, it's going to be Biggio mostly, I think, is the current plan. Now, I should say, like, it's entirely possible that they will still get another position player and trade other people off the roster. I, I don't even want to rule out that they'll get a third baseman. But um, assuming that doesn't happen, I think it's going to be Biggio with Vlad getting the chance to earn some reps there because, you know, Vlad is losing all this weight. And in, in spring training, he'll get a chance to show that. And Atkins actually acknowledged this concept. And he said that, it's like, we'll have a much better answer halfway through spring training than we have now. Yeah, you have to give Vlad Guerrero Jr. the benefit of the doubt. Um, but ultimately, you've got people who can rotate in and out of that position if he is not able to play it at a at an average level. Yeah, and like Biggio was terrible at third base in his <laughs> few uh, few outings there last year. I don't think he really has the arm for it or the reactions for it, but he'd also never trained for third base. So I think that either of them with actual work for a third base could be viable there. And, and again, it's, it might be I, neither of them in the end. I also think we've seen situations where uh, someone comes in and is, is like, oh, this guy's going to be the second baseman and we'll figure it out. And then you find out that Marcus Semien, because of the manager's whims, ends up playing as many innings at third as anybody else does while they put Biggio at second because it, you know, wh- whoever's managing the team thinks it works better as he's actually filling out the lineup card. Well, it definitely does work better, but I think that the rumor was that Semi and the reason he was able to move agreeing to move off short is because he was moving to second. So there might be some some issues there, but we'll find out when Semyon's introduced, which will probably be in a few days. Um or when they trade for Manny Machado. Um very excited. Yeah. Ben Ben Tusum at B Tusum. Uh very excited to watch this team. I think we are too, Ben. Uh, at this point, they have to make a move for a pitcher or two, don't they? I can't see them going this far. I'm relying on Ryu, often hurt, Pearson, limited innings, Ray, unpredictable, Torque, which I think I'm going to call him Torque from now on, who is bad. <laughs> and what say you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need um, another guy. Yeah. Yeah, we've said it. I think we've said it like the last three podcasts. And when they get another pitcher... Uh, hasn't happened yet. Uh, I mean, other than Stripling being um, tendered a contract. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I, I I would be su- very surprised if they don't get someone. It might not be the kind of guys that we hope. It might be Chris Archer on a rebound contract or something like that. And whatever. They just need someone else who has the upside to be good as opposed to serviceable. Because, and this was my issue with Rourke last year. They have enough serviceable guys. Like, they've got... Hatch, K, Merriweather, you know, they, these guys could all, Trent Thornton, they could all start and be serviceable, but they need someone who can be good. Indeed. Um, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6 asks, what question do you wish had been asked during the Wednesday Springer press conference? So you didn't listen to it, but do you have a question you wish had been asked? Oh, yeah. I wish they asked George Springer how he felt about uh, milk in a bag. Oh, 
Ah, uh, you set me up for that one, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, on the more serious side of the answer, I wish they'd asked him what he thought of the way that the spring tra- his free agency played out. Um, you know, with like he didn't have to, he didn't sign until mid January. Like, if he expected that, or like what he was thinking as it was going through, you know, months of him dragging out with with no evidence of a movement in his market, but no one did that. Um, and we still haven't seen a whole lot of dominoes fall in this market. Like I, I thought maybe we would have seen the middle infield market really moved. It's, uh, I think so because Semyon signed and then Didi, sorry, not Didi, he's the one who didn't sign. Semyon signed and then uh, DJ Simmons signs. Well, yeah, Mayhew signed earlier, uh, and then Tommy Lestella signed. All those were yesterday. So uh, it, it seems like it's moving in pieces. So someone got the breakdown of the Lemayhew contract. Fifteen oh, million signed. Fi- or was it? Was it? LeMahieu or Real Madrid? But it was 15 million, 15 million, 15 million, 15 million, 15 million, 15 million. Not front loaded, not back loaded, nothing. Just straight. Divide this contract by six. I don't think I've seen that in ages for more than like a two year deal. Ryu did that. Did he? Oh, it was 311s or three? three no, 420s. Three, so 420s. 2020, 2020? Well, yeah. no, I, I have forgotten that. Um, <laughs> L at Ellie Hart. What do you think a package for Bryant and Hendricks would have to look like? Um, <laughs> Chris Bryant and Liam Hendricks. No, no, no. Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks. Their, their starter. Um, he's very good. So Bryant, for... Bryant is maybe not. Uh, yeah, Bryant, I think is kind of like negligible in the trade at this point because his salary is high. I don't. I just don't see it. I don't see how it could work. Um, you know, it's thirty-five million dollars in salary to get both those guys, and like that's a lot to add for one player pieces, essentially. Like, yeah, and. And I don't one. I don't think the Cubs will trade Hendricks. I don't see why they would do that. He's not making that much money, and I just think that the cost for the Blue Jays in prospects to get them to trade him would be more than would be reasonable to anybody. I can't even think. I can't even try to put a package together. All right, we won't. Uh, heated end at heated end asks with Bauer reportedly asking for two hundred fifty million from the Dodgers and Tanaka back into Japan. Aha! Someone else was duped. Uh, what are the Jays' best options to fill out the rotation? <laughs> I'm trying to tell Josh before the podcast that Tanaka, his one of his favorite, you know, picks for the Jays was was going back to Japan, and and, and then I tried to look it up, and there's like one report that says he's actually for sure going back, um, and then a lot of other reports that are like he's still thinking about where he's going. Uh, but let's yeah. see. Let's say Tanaka is not available to the Blue Jays. Who else do we have? I, I think Taihan Walker. Uh, we talked about Odorizzi. Are we thinking? Is there someone else? James Paxton, Big Maple. Yeah, he's someone I've wanted them to get since the offseason started, so that hasn't changed. Um, you know, Jake Odorizzi, like uh, he's solid mid rotation guy. I, I th- and then I, I mentioned like, why not take a shot on Chris Archer if it's cheap? You know, like because he had surgery and he missed the season, but like he has been very good in the past. So I, I think those are the real ones. And then I think there could be some trade options that we're not really thinking of, but those I, I would like to see them sign Paxton as the guy. If they can't get to knock, obviously. Uh, Nick, the main event. Nick Thunderstorm, the main event. Uh, at the main event, 2K asks, what do you think will happen to Kirk this season? Presumably Alejandro Kirk, catcher, hitter extraordinaire, is whom, whom he is speaking of. Um, is there a minor league season that's actually going to happen? I think is my biggest question about that. I think it is. 
All signs point to that there is going to be one. So I would think that Alejandro Kirk, barring the kind of abysmal performance from both catchers um, that we saw last year, is going to spend the whole season in the minor leagues becoming the best defensive catcher that they can make out of him. Um, and then, I, I, but I mean, if, if they end up with with two catchers OPSing under 500 and they look like they're trying to be a competitive team, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him another kick at the can. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll be down all year. Uh, I definitely think he'll start down there, though, like they're the way you do. But if he's just destroying the minors, they'll have to bring him up at some point to to do something. But yeah, uh, um, so like the, the actual what they're doing is the the upper minors, double A AA and triple A, are starting normal time, and the other the other minor leagues are being pushed back a bit. So like they're they're not even reporting to spring training until the major leaguers leave. I, I guess that keeps your crossover contamination problems down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that still may, remains to be seen how that's going to work in, in terms of actually getting games played in the minors and, and, and you know, the, the money going to those teams with all these new relationships that they're talking about. So we yeah, also like, and, and like, you know, the Jays high A you know, affiliate is in Vancouver. They ain't playing baseball in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not like this. Maybe, maybe if we step up stabbing people with vaccine needles, uh, you know, post haste maybe we'll start talking about that but yeah i think i think that's a big uh i think the question marks aren't about kirk specifically but more about the situation around the minor leaguers um as well yep all right uh we made fun of mark shapiro do you want to make uh fun of anybody else well i think it's someone you wanted to make fun of of kurt schilling <laughs> oh it's <laughs> What I don't like giving him oxygen, but I mean, it's not like there's national attention on our podcast. So I'm just going to say that um, a player on the, the going into the last year on the Hall of Fame ballot after, after writers who had potentially voted for him found out that he was kind of cool with the U.S. government being overthrown, finally drew the line on the scumbag human being that is Kurt Schilling. Kurt decided he would do the you can't fire me, I quit letter to the Hall of Fame. You know what's hilarious? In his letter, he said, he, he said, quote, I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, as I've often stated, but if former players think I am, I'll accept that with honor. Basically, he was saying he'll let the Veterans Committee pick. So is he angry that 71% of the people voted for him? <laughs> uh, he's angry that you're not paying attention to him. So now I'm paying attention to him. So I guess he wins, possibly. But what he does not win ever is a plaque in the Hall of Fame. And thank goodness for that, because... Well, well he's well, right. Okay, the no, he, Committee might vote him in. They might, if if he's not in jail by that point. Um, <laughs> like... I, I never, I never really liked Kurt Schilling. He was, you know, he was a very good pitcher who was the nemesis of the Blue Jays in the in the '93 World Series, right? That's that, that's the biggest relationship on, on the field I, I I have with him, and and he was the most difficult guy to beat. He was, um, he was trouble for the Blue Jays. So I remember that. But then everything I've ever read or heard about Kurt Schilling since is is makes me think that if the character clause means anything in the hall of fame, that he should be kept as far away from it as possible. 
And apparently Kurt thinks so too. So uh, good on you. <laughs> and just one thing I want to say about this. I mean, other people have said it too. This, there's all this people like that. People who think the way Kurt Schilling thinks like to push the narrative that they're being excluded because of their ties to Trump. Marianne Rivera is like good buddies with Trump and got 100% of the vote. <laughs> it's, it's not because of your ties to Trump. It's because you are a scumbag. Like that's what it is. Yeah. You've said, hor- you said and done horrible things and treated other people in your life horribly, uh, which has been on, on display for all the world to see for a number of years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not any more nuanced than that. And that brings us to the end of a podcast. Uh, I give you the opportunity to finalize your thoughts. So I'm going to do something that is going to shock everybody who listens to this podcast. I'm sitting down, so we're good. I'm going to talk about Tanner Rourke in a positive light. <laughs> ah, okay, I'm good. I'm fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so... As people may or may not remember, probably don't, <laughs> when they first signed Rorick, and I talked about it on this podcast, the reason I hated it is because of the alternatives and the Jays needed to look for upside because they didn't have real postseason hopes. And they want, I want them to see what their young guys are. That's not what the Jays are anymore. I mean, this team is built to contend with the lineup additions that they've made. And 2020 notwithstanding, Tenor Rorick is a pretty serviceable, reliable back-of-the-rotation starter. And having a guy that you can trust to take the ball every time and deliver okay performance, again, under normal circumstances, he's always been fine. That's actually really valuable. Uh, so a lot of people would just like want to dump him, and I, I get that, especially because the $12 million could be used in a better way. But as long as they have to pay him, I don't know. I, I, I think it's all right. There's a thought, folks. Take take that uh, to the bank, because uh, it might be the only nice thing Josh ever says about Tanner Roark if he has Most a season, anything like last season. Uh, so my thought is, uh, I would just like to give a big shout out to I believe it was it was Chris Sherwin who um, acknowledged it. Is is uh, people were talking about the Blue Jays loading up on offense and ignoring the pitching, uh, and Chris said we needed to bring back the cool head uh, nine runs theory. So I would like to remind all of the fans of the podcast who haven't been around since 2015, 2016, that I have a theory and I dare you to disprove it, that if you score nine runs every night, you will win almost every game. Um, so I think if the blue Jays load up on the offense, I think the pitching is maybe less of a concern. So if you, if you, uh, are watching this season and the Blue Jays have scored nine runs, I, I encourage you to hashtag nine runs and keep that alive because uh, that is truly the path to the World Series is just score nine runs. The rest will take care of itself. And in terms of taking care of itself, uh, is to say that you have been Josh Hausman, Joshua Hausman, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this has been episode number 191 of the Artificial Turf Wars. Welcome to Toronto, Marcus Simeon, and we will talk at you guys in the next couple weeks. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. 
They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com.